the way that you find a good real estate investment is you look for the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are, is the area growing? Is there job growth? Is there population growth? If the opposite is happening and people are leaving, well, then you're going to have an excess of real estate. But if people are moving because of jobs, that means there's not enough real estate. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. My great to wealth listeners, if you own and manage real estate, maybe you're ready for a lifestyle change. By selling your real estate, of course, you may have to pay substantial capital gain taxes. One option that may help you solve this is to learn about doing a 1031 tax deferred real estate exchange, because you may be able to defer all of the capital gain taxes, and you could even exchange into a replacement property that may allow you to get rid of all of the headaches that are involved with being an active landlord. My friend, Ray Druitt, is a managing director with Bangerter Financial Services, and his goal is to help you understand all of the rules associated with 1031 exchanges. To learn more, you may call him directly at 801-312-9482. Once again, it's 801-312-9482. Or you may visit his website at 1031.bangerterfinancial.com slash 1031guy. Please be sure to see disclosures in the show notes. Welcome back, my great to wealth listeners. Today, I'm bringing to you one of the persons I've been following for a while. Actually, one could argue that she got me started into my journey about five or seven years ago when I was looking to migrate out of my situation. And a lot of you already know I got laid off in 2017 and that just shifted the whole trajectory of my life. So I want to introduce you to Kathy Fedekev. Kathy, how are you? I'm so touched. That means so much. Thank you. You have changed so many people's <laughs> lives. It's amazing. And you still have a giving heart. You still keep giving. There's more to give from where you give. So thank you again for having being on this show, Kathy. I'm super excited to have you. I know you're super busy. You're usually traveling, but we caught you on a good time where you're actually at home, hopefully more relaxed. So Kathy, <laughs> before we get going for people who don't know who you are and what to do, can you give a very broad stroke introduction and then we'll go into your story as we move forward. Sure. Yeah. I am the founder of Real Wealth, realwealth.com. And we've been focused mainly on helping busy professionals who already have a career, but want to invest in real estate, but don't have the time. So we really try to make that process simple through summarizing the information to make it digestible of what to do and where to buy. We have a lot of data on our website. And then we connect people with teams in the fastest growing markets where you can make both cash flow and appreciation so that you have a team that you can rely on. It's hard to awesome. do it on your own when you're busy. Oh, I can imagine. I'm not yeah. imagine. I know exactly what you're saying because <laughs> I, well, I dealt with it. I thought I can do it all by myself. But yeah. No, I couldn't. So Kathy, let's start with, thank you again for sharing with people what you do and how you can add value to their lives. But before we even go there, Let's go start with your journey. How did you migrate into what you're doing in life? Well, my background was in broadcasting. I was worked in the newsrooms of CNN and Fox News and ABC News, kind of back when they were just news. <laughs> there were no mm -hmm. opinions. Yeah. You could only have all sides of the story presented. So, you know, that was my background. And then I was lucky enough to meet the man of my dreams. We got married. I We had two children. And I was able to step away from that, those long hours and crazy hours of 3 a.m. 
sometimes yeah. or till midnight, you know, very difficult hours to have a family. So my husband, Rich Fetke, at the time was a business coach and a speaker, and he had just come out with a book. We had just bought a big house in, you know, outside of San Francisco in Lafayette. And I was living my dream. You know, we had the white picket fence, the A-rated schools, everything was mm -hmm. perfect. Until he found a freckle. He noticed a freckle. He's a redhead. I don't know how he noticed this particular freckle. It turned out to be melanoma. The doctor was concerned after doing more tests that it had spread to his liver. So he told Rich, this means if it has, you have six months to live. So that was one of those defining moments, right? Where, oh my gosh, I'm not going to believe this doctor. We're not going to put any energy there. Instead, we're going to put it on positive things. And that was Rich slowing down, enjoying his friends, his family. He had been traveling all over the country on this book tour and he had like, I don't know, 80 clients or so. He was working too hard. So this was the moment where I had to do something so that he could work less. I still had a weekend radio show, but when you're a stay-at-home mom, it's hard to get back into the work business. So I had a radio show on Saturdays just for an hour. And I thought, okay, I will use this show to find out how to make money and a lot of money. I didn't come from money. I came from a dad who was a dentist, but he had five kids. So we always just had enough, but I didn't know what it was like to be wealthy by any means. I wore hand-me-downs all my life from the other four kids you know, when mm -hmm. I was the youngest. But this radio show helped me to have a platform to interview people I wouldn't normally have the honor of speaking with. I interviewed millionaires to find out what is it that you know that I don't or my friends don't know? What are your secrets? And over time, I started to change and my consciousness changed it just by speaking with these people. Mm -hmm. That show today is still in existence, The Real Wealth Show, and I still interview millionaires to learn their secrets. What I didn't realize at the time was that I wasn't the only one wanting this information and there weren't podcasts yet. You know, this was, I was right. just lucky to stop the radio show. So that it turned out, I grew a very large following very quickly and realized even people with money had no idea where to put it. And they just would go to a financial planner, but that just didn't seem to cut it. We were doing that. We were putting 10% aside for investment, 10% for emergencies, 10% for fun. We were doing all the things our financial planner told us. Right. But as soon as Rich had cancer, those funds were wiped out. So the plan wasn't working. So I was like, okay, there's got to be a different way. So it was from these millionaires that I really learned that most of them were buying assets that would grow in value and that the more of those you bought, kind of like golden gooses, you know, the more of these assets that you could buy that kind of do the work for you, that's how you accelerate your wealth building plan. That is awesome, Kathy Kim. Thank you for sharing that story. And I'm delighted to announce that Rich is still with us. He is wow. very healthy today. Yes. And he does have to go get his skin checked every year, every six months. And they yeah. still cut it out. He just had melanoma again last six months ago, but he's catches it in time now. And so fortunately, the doctor was wrong. But it was that awakening, that moment. And right. for so many people, it doesn't feel like it in the moment. But Oftentimes, the biggest challenges are those pivotal moments that make us who we are and who we're supposed to be. And I think really what where I'm sure it's hard to for people to draw the parallel of what happened to you because they may not this situation may not be exactly the same. However, mm -hmm. I think what I want to make sure is that we can connect the dots for the people is really more about 
there is going to be adversities in our life. If we're going to live, we're going to have challenges in our life. It's in those testing times where it kind of gives you the focus on how do you respond to that. Like you could have very easily said that I'm just going to sell everything. I'm moving out to a place. I need to start saving. There is a different mentality, right? Or you could have been <laughs> the victim mentality. Why it's happening to me and all that stuff that I have gone through it. When I got laid off, I wasn't as strong as you. And I didn't have a show and I didn't have the insight to say, <laughs> let me learn from others. I'm like, I suck or whatever <laughs> at that time that my life sucks. I'm done. More of victim mentality until I took over. It took me a long time to get over it. But once I took over that, now you start to figuring out how to solve it instead of crying <laughs> about it. Right. That's exactly what you did. But before we move forward, if you could take us back in that time, if you may, and if it's too painful, we'll move forward in a different direction. What was going through your head at that time? How did you even develop that courage, Kathy, to actually move past what happened with the news you shared, which is very devastating at that time, because you didn't know whether the doctor was right or wrong. In your heart, you believed the doctor was wrong, but you still didn't know what was the outcome, where is it going? How did you actually develop the courage to start focusing on you need to step in? What was driving you? I don't know if it was just a natural instinct for me, but it could have been denial. I don't know, but I just refused to believe it. Rich is mm -hmm. so strong. My, the vision I had for our lives was that we would be together till we're old. My subconscious couldn't accept this news, so I just didn't. But he did, and he spent too much time on the internet researching melanoma. And then he would talk to people, and he was attracting negativity as a result of his fear. So he would just run into people who they knew somebody who died of it, right. and they would tell them. Right. So it just building, which if you believe in the law of attraction, I was in a different world of attraction where I was attracting different thoughts. And he was attracting all these people who knew people who died of melanoma. And so it just kept making it worse. We happened to have a friend who's discovered that he was a healer. It was kind of an interesting story, but you know, he was a construction worker. He built luxury homes. And one day he saw one of his construction workers. He's like, you should really get your check on your head, your brain. I think you've got a brain tumor. And the guy's like, what? Goes and checks and does. So wow. he didn't know why he had this gift, but he started to you know, really research it. So as he was doing this kind of learning how to develop the side of him that was a healer, we brought him over and, you know, Rich wasn't sure he believed in any of this woo-woo stuff, basically. But after Greg was talking to Rich, he said, he just looked at him and said, how much of you believes that you're going to survive this? And Rich said, 80%, but there's 20% of doubt because I'm hearing all these things and I'm going on the internet. And Greg looks him in the eye and he goes, that 20% doubt is going to kill you. And it was like, wow. Whoa. And all of a sudden, Rich is like, you're right, because he's a motivational speaker. He knows that. So right. he was like, okay, well then, 100% of me believes I'm going to survive this. And Greg says he just saw the doubt leave, because he could mm. you know, apparently see these things. And he was like, he saw it go. I don't know. You know who knows? But Oh I, my God, I Kathy. Oh, <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, I love this stuff. It is, a lot of it is what we believe, right? And, and the words that we speak are yeah. so powerful. And it's kind of interesting, and I'm sure you have seen that in your life as well, that when you actually talk to somebody and say that, hey, you know what, could you change the word that you're using? You're not letting me express my true self. And people mm -hmm. get all defensive about it. 
But there's actually a science and it's proven that the words you use have a different impact on your brain. If you're going to say you're going, your life sucks, it is going to suck, period, right? And then the law of attraction does work. So Kathy, I'm so glad that you chose, not for yourself, but for the others in the life that you're inspired about how to make money and lots of it and not being, not being I'll use the word slave to the system which is nine to five, which is the traditional way that we've been told that the only way to make money and be wealthy is to be working. And all of us know that no one made their wealth unless you're a pretty high executive at a pretty good company, which very handful of us are there. Most of us are surviving. We're not thriving. And if you need to thrive, we need to do something differently. So what were some of your findings in that research during talking to millionaires and all the people that you interacting with what were your findings well the same epiphany that rich had about okay i've got this was the same i had where i had those doubts like gosh i've been a stay-at-home mom for three or four years how am i going to get back in how do what do i know about making money we had just bought a four thousand square foot home outside of san francisco that the payment was 4200 a month which it would be about 10 grand today right per month you look at inflation so we had taken on massive debt and every, it was fine while Rich was working, but he had to be working in order to make those payments. And if he died or if he wasn't working because he was not well, what were we going to do? So right. I did have that doubt, but I had the same transformation that he did. But for me, it was about money. I just remember the moment I was like, doesn't matter. I've got this. So sometimes when things matter and when things either get bad enough or things matter enough, then we can have that epiphany. And it was like, if the doctor's right, which I didn't think he was, I had to figure this out. There wasn't a right. choice. So it started with, we bought this massive house. It was a six bedroom house, but it had an in-law unit and a little office area and it had mm-hmm. kind of a back room. And I was like, okay, we're going to rent these out. So we ended up covering our living expenses by house hacking is what they call it now. That wasn't what term then, but We basically rented these rooms. Sure, it's a little uncomfortable. There was a point where we had to wait in line to go to our bathroom, but our expenses were covered. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, it's kind of like, I've got this. Well, now when you've got your expenses covered, then you can breathe. Your creativity can shine. And that's when I was like, okay, I've got this radio show. How do I make money from that? I hadn't been. It was a hobby. It was something that kept me connected to the business and had me working. I needed that, but it was an hour a week, right? So I thought, well, how can I turn this into money? Because I refused. I did actually go get a job when we got the news. I was like, I got to go get a job. And it broke my heart. I cried when I got the job. It was for a charity, something I believed in, a beautiful, lovely job. But I burst into tears when I hung up the phone because I didn't want to leave my family. And I started the job and I went to work. And then there was one morning where I was, if you've got kids, you know the deal. You're getting them dressed and you're getting them fed and you're getting their lunch together. And you're trying to get out the door and then something goes wrong and they, whatever. It was yeah. really hard. And I show up to this job and I was like five minutes late. And the lady just looks at her watch, looks at me and shakes her head. And I just remember thinking, you don't own me. You don't own my time. And then I was like, no, 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 no. She does. She owns your time between nine and five. So yeah. if you don't want that, you better figure something else out. So I came home and talked to Rich. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And he goes, well, why don't you just do what you're great at and what you love to do? And you love the radio show. How can you make money from that? 
he's a coach, right? So I'm like, okay, how can, oh, how do people make money from shows? Sponsorships. So I go down the list. I'm like listening to the radio. Oh, it was 2003. And that's when mortgages were on every mm -hmm. single ad. So I thought, okay, I'll just, that'll be easy. I'll just call some mortgage companies. I go down the phone book. This is how long ago it was calling every single mortgage broker, asking if they wanted to sponsor my show. Every single one was like, no, you know, I'm already doing it. We already committed our funds, whatever. No, 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 no. So then I just go outside and I'm like, ah, oh, I need a sign. Like what, how do people get sponsorships? Again, I talked to Rich about it and he's like, well, you can't just ask for money. No one wants to just give you money. You've got to give them a benefit. You've got to make it something they can't say no to. So I'm like, okay, the next call I make, I'm going to say, I'm going to make it irresistible and I'm going to make it all about them. So I pick up the phone. I've just, you know, that feeling like I got this again. It's like, I got this. I say, how would you like to be my co-host? <laughs> and the oh. guy's like, oh, that's a different story, right? He's like, oh my gosh, how did you read my mind? I wanted to host a radio show. I'm like, he's like, come meet with me today. So I go meet with him. I present this package. I dust off a business outfit I had in the closet. And I show him, I show him a very expensive price. I'm like, to do this, it's going to cost this, but I guarantee you, you'll get your money back and much more. And he's like, great, writes the check. So this oh, became- wow, Kathy. <laughs> oh, that is an amazing story. I don't know if you've shared it somewhere else. I couldn't find it when I was researching on that, on you. I'm like, this is amazing. From somebody who was trying to go find a job, to try to figure out, because I think you're asking, if I may, with that story, I think it's just that the question you were asking changed, right? It's how would you yeah. make your ends meet in a fear mode versus I have a platform, what can I do with you? And of course, you had the support of yes. Rick, who did this for a living, telling yes. other people how to make money, which of course helped. <laughs> but he yes. didn't tell you do this. Yeah. He just asked you a question. He's like, what can you do? And nudged you in the right direction. Do you remember that feeling? I can't even tell you how exciting it was. And it was also awful because I came home and said, oh, no, I have sold my soul. <laughs> like, honey, oh. I got the money, but now I'm doing a mortgage show. And again, you know, it does help to be married to a coach. And the reason Rich is such a good coach is he asks the powerful question. He doesn't tell me what to do. He just yeah. asks the powerful question that has me figured out. And he, but in this case, he goes, hmm. And we both start laughing, you know, because the last thing I wanted to do, I didn't even like going to our financial planner meetings. I care less about <laughs> finances. I didn't do the finances. I just wanted right. to play games with the kids, right? So I just, he goes, well, why don't you make it human interest? You're a newswoman, interview his clients and find out what they're doing with these loans. Brilliant. Because if I'm going to sit around and talk about mortgage rates all day, I'm going to lose my audience. Yeah. But how about we find out what people are doing with these loans? I tell it to my new co-host. He's like, brilliant. My clients are doing amazing things. And so one by one, we're interviewing his clients. Now I have people to interview who are millionaires. Mm -hmm. And one by one, they're telling me, you know, some were flipping houses, some were doing the Burr strategy, basically buying a property, renovating, and then refinancing, getting all their money out to go do it again, all through the use of leverage through right. loans. So we're talking to people who would buy a house, fix it up, live in it for two years and sell it and get all the money tax-free. As you may know, through the tax code, if you're married, you can get $500,000 yeah. yeah. free of gain, a tax-free. 
So all of these stories helped me understand what you can do with leverage, how you make money in real estate, how people were making money hand over fist, many, you know, either buying and holding or flipping or whatever they were doing. And that is when my entire world changed and my audience. So suddenly our phones are ringing off the hook. The show is a huge success. He can't keep up with the business. Not only did he make his money back, it was like a hundredfold. And he's like, one day on our way to the show, he pulls out three checks. One is for $10,000, one is for $11,000, and one's for $12,000. And he goes, I just want to show you this is what I made today. And made I was today. like, I'm like, well, gosh, that's probably what I made in a year. Last year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he goes, I want you to work for me. I want you to become a mortgage broker because mm. you can do this. Next, I got my real estate license. I mean, that was a pretty good sales pitch, right? So I got my license in a, in a month and I became one of the busiest mortgage brokers in San Francisco overnight. And our money issues were gone at that point. Oh, my, my God, Kathy, I didn't even know you had that side of life. It is beautiful. Let's a recap. You had a very devastating news, life-altering news. Instead of dealing with that and suffering that and kind of like being a victim, you're like, what can I do? What do I need to do? And you started doing multiple things. I think, you know, one thing that jumps out at me was you were not reading books to find answers. You were doing something. You were acting. You were making moves. And if it didn't work, you were okay pivoting like this job. One could say, no, 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 I need that job right away. I can't do anything. Again, the victim mentality kicks in. They're like, you know what, I need to do that. You tested it out. The job was not for you. And within the first day, you found out it's not for you, which is great. <laughs> so you probably should thank that person who looked at you when you were late. Because if she didn't do that, you probably wouldn't be triggered. He said that day. So that's great. And then you tried different things. The sponsors, you gave up. You could have given up on sponsors. You're like, no, this path's not working. Let me find another path. And you found a path. And that led to something else. I think if would it be fair for me to say that, and I'm putting words in your mouth, is the key was, yes, the news was a trigger, but if you didn't take small steps or towards doing something, you probably would be in a different situation right now. Because if you were just thinking your way out of it, you won't be able to think your way out of that situation. You had to do something about it. Would it be fair to say that, Kathy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was reading books. I read every book I could get my hands on. I was doing everything I could to expand my wealth consciousness because I did meet my husband in a, a self-development class. That is, I had already been married and divorced. I was running a business. I had an employee. I had a talent agency in San Francisco. I had an employee who knew how out of balance I was because of my first marriage. I just poured myself into my business. So she invited me to go to this business course that ended up being a mindset course. And I met Rich there. The biggest thing I learned from that course was that what we think we create, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. So yeah. with that piece of knowledge, and even in that course, it was like, what we think is what we create. So you better think about what you want to create, right. because what you have is what you thought a few years ago. It's the result of your thoughts. So I was like, okay, well, I had a bad marriage. What would a good marriage look like? I wrote down all the things that was clear. I focused on that. That's all I would allow in my consciousness. And I met Rich. 
and he was everything on the list. Mm. So that was an example of, wow, this stuff works. The clarity and the commitment to that right. and not allowing any other thoughts in your mind was already something I had learned and was experiencing. So when all of this happened, I stuck with that. I'm just not going to let negativity in my thoughts. Of course, it comes in and we got to just be, thanks for that. Okay, I'm going to look over here. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Without that course, without that shift in my thinking, I'm not sure any of this would have happened. Are you at the liberty to share the name of the show? Yeah, it's called, it's in San Francisco and I think a lot of other cities. It's called PSI Seminars, SI Seminars, PSI, and it's three days and very, very powerful. I'm sort of hyperkinetic. I don't like sitting for three days. Yeah. This is a course where you they do activities, they play games to help you see how you think. And through the game, you could be like, whoa, I didn't realize that's how I played. Mm. And it's kind of a, like a game of life sort of thing. So it was extremely powerful for me and for both of us. So we were able to support each other in continuing to focus on what we want to create versus what we don't have. Love that, Kathy. I think we can go down that whole story for another two hours. <laughs> it won't be enough, but I want to be conscious of your time. I'm going to shift gears because what you learned was pivotal and life-changing from for you, right? And let's talk about your journey then from being one of the best or busiest and best both mortgage breaker to now helping people find turnkey developments, turnkey properties, and also doing developments on single families. So help us bridge that journey how did you move from there to here? Well, the first day that I showed up in the office to be a mortgage broker, there were a couple of things that happened. One guy shows up with all his files and this was 20 years ago. So mm. life was different. And he just comes into my office. I got a really fancy office because I was the co-host and he puts all of his financial files in front of me and he looks at me and says, tell me what to do. And I'm in my head going, I have no idea. <laughs> Why are you asking wow. me? I just stare at him. And that was a realization of like, oh, people don't know what to do with their money. And this guy was a multimillionaire. So I just was like, excused myself quietly, grabbed my co-host. I need you for this meeting. And he proceeded to just go through all the files and say, well, you could do this and done. And I learned so much. So that was the first learning is, wow, even wealthy people don't really know what to do. And a lot of people are hiding behind masks in fear. And especially back then, it was pretty much the man's job to take care of the family finances. It's yeah. obviously changed, but it's still maybe like that today. And so I could see the pain and this pressure on these men. So I felt a lot of compassion. That was number one. Number two, another person came in and it was very obvious that they could not afford the house they wanted to buy. But they said, well, I want to fill out the forms anyway. And when I submitted it to the bank, the bank said, oh, they don't make enough money. I'm like, yeah, I know. And they go, oh, it's okay. We changed it. I'm like, you changed what? <laughs> well, we changed this income. Like, well, you could do that? And they're like, oh, yeah, we do it all the time. <laughs> you know, so this was 2003, right? This was what caused yeah. the Everyone the was doing everything. Yeah. You know, it's like I was new to the financial industry. I came home and I tell my beloved husband, does this sound okay? And he goes, no, that sounds like fraud. Don't put your name on it. And so I became a mortgage broker who wouldn't do those kind of things. And I would mm -hmm. lose business and it would go to somebody else. The mortgage broker next to me would do the loan. Of course. Yeah. But I knew something was wrong and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So I was lucky enough to have Robert Kiyosaki on as one of my guests. And he was also saw it and he said, well, of course, this is all going to blow up. These are liar loans. Nobody's telling the truth, including the banks. 
And when those payments adjust, no one will be able to pay and it will be a bloodbath. So he said, you know, you've got to get ahead of this. You've got to sell anything in these bubble markets where prices have gone up 40% as a result of these fake loans and get into a safe haven. And so it was then that he explained to me that there are certain, the way that you find a good real estate investment is you look for the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are, is the area growing? Is there job growth? Is there population growth? If the opposite is happening and people are leaving, well, then you're going to have an excess of real estate, right? It's obvious. Mm -hmm. But if people are moving because of jobs, that means there's not enough real estate. That's so obvious. The next would be that in those areas, it hasn't happened yet. So people aren't aware and prices haven't gone up because it's new. And he explained that Texas was had still the lowest home prices in the country. I think they were 23% undervalued compared to wages. Wages were going up faster than home prices. And the SNL crisis had taken down Texas. So the regulation, their bank regulations were strict and they weren't doing the liar loans. They were, they were very strict. So he said, you can find this safe haven in the middle of the storm, sell everything in the bubble markets and the loose lending markets and get into solid assets in Texas made so much sense to me because I knew behind the scenes how bad things were. So Rich and I flew out to Dallas. We met with a real estate agent who wanted to take advantage of us like many do, or just didn't understand real estate. She takes us to the most expensive neighborhoods in Texas where there were four or $500,000 homes, which is like a massive mansion. She goes, oh, this is what Californians like. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know that I learned enough from Kiyosaki that I know the median home price here is $124,000. I'm going to buy that. I ended up thinking, well, who can I trust in this wide world of real estate where there's so many people just trying to take advantage of you? I thought a property manager because they're the ones who are saddled with your property. So if you buy something bad, they're stuck with it. I thought, okay, I'll go meet with all the property managers in Dallas where Kiyosaki told me to invest and I'll find out from them what they're seeing. And they would tell me, oh, well, this is where the rental demand is coming. This is where you can get the most rent compared to price. This is where we're buying. And they would give me the truth. So we left because I was a mortgage broker and I could write my own loans, like get them, you know, it was a great time to try to get loans. That's a great thing to capitalize at the right time. (laughs) (laughs) And you could do no money down unlimited investor loans at the time, even in Texas. (laughs) We left with five. I went to a brand new subdivision with A-class schools and there were $140,000 brand new homes that rented for $1,500. We didn't have to put any oh, money perfect. down and it yeah. cash flowed. So we bought five. We went back another month, bought five more. I talked about it on my radio show and suddenly, same thing, phones blowing up. Please tell me who you worked with. Who's your property manager? Who's your agent? Tell me how to do this. Can you get me the loans? Mm. And I thought, sure. So the next thing I know, I'm, I'm taking people to Texas to show them everything we did. And that's when real wealth was born. It's like, oh, there is a definite need here for people to have a team that's trusted, that we've worked with, or that other investors have worked with that understand investing. So that's how real wealth is born. And that's still what we do today. That is a great story, Kathy. And thank you for walking us through that. So (laughs) Kathy, let's take a macro view right now, because I think what Kiyosaki told you at the right time and right there, that made a lot of sense for you. At that time, the crisis was, I don't know about illegal, but fake loans. It's probably the way the way oh, I was. Oh, it was definitely illegal. All right, perfect. Oh, yes. I didn't know if that was if it was illegal or not because I'm like, I don't understand that, but it's definitely fake. Oh yeah, banks they were just changing the mm. people it was terrible. And I just came into that thinking that that's maybe just the way business was done, right. but they couldn't arrest everybody. 
So they just let it go. They just changed the rules. And that's when Dodd-Frank came around and it's stricter now to get a loan. But they would have arrested millions and millions of people because yeah, everyone would happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now let's fast forward today. Of course, we all know it's not a secret. The amount of money that has been printed by Fed and where we are in this situation, the inflation's going up. So the challenge is there. So at that time, it was a challenge, which was a very different challenge, which not a lot of people saw that the way their people tried to take advantage of the loans because they were available, but not realizing where is it all heading towards, right? But now we're looking at a similar, not a similar situation, an abstractly similar situation, which is there is a trigger that is external trigger that has happened in the market, which is inflation. Yeah. Where do you see opportunities now? How do you look at the opportunities going forward? And where are you seeing the next Texas is, or maybe within Texas, there could be a next Texas, right? At that time. So help me understand that. Where are you seeing opportunities and how are you looking at them? Yeah. Well, one thing that I've learned over the years is I can't control a lot of things. I can't control stupid decisions that politicians make. I can't control greed within any industry and certainly within our political structure. So what we do know is that the politicians love to spend money, and that's why our credit rating was dropped this past Definitely. month. Yeah. They Hopefully that taught them a lesson, but I don't think our politicians understand finance, and they're just doing what they need to do to get reelected, in my opinion, or what maybe they think is right. Mm-hmm. And sure, who wouldn't want to give a lot of handouts and help people, <laughs> but there's yeah. a price to pay. In seven, 1971, as you know, that Nixon took us off the gold standard because why be tied to something like gold? That's limiting. Why not just be able to print money? (laughs) So that's the addiction that really started after the Great Recession in 2008, when printing was really the only solution to that collapse. And that's become the norm. I think politicians are learning that, oh, okay, maybe there is a consequence to this. Maybe it does create inflation to literally put, you know, seven trillion, I think worldwide it was 20 trillion or something, but in America over $7 trillion, it was the amount of money in circulation in 2007 in entirety in the U.S. is what was created in 18 months over the last few years. So the connection that, oh, if you pour money into an economy with a limited supply, meaning every business was shut down and manufacturers weren't manufacturing. So you pour money into a system where things aren't being made, so there's limited supply, of course, there's going to be inflation. And that's what we saw across the board. Hopefully, they see it. How do I respond to that? I've been seeing this anyway. It's been happening since 2008. So we just tried to get ahead of it, where we want to invest in things that are going to inflate. And in my opinion, that's hard assets. If you invest in something that you know, it's just paper assets. It doesn't have the strength as hard assets because we know that houses haven't changed. It just takes more dollars to buy it. It's the same house, right? So it's just really a matter of how many dollars it takes to buy that same house. And so the whole plan that we've had is following those fundamentals, the same fundamentals I learned 20 years ago from Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is the exact same information we use today, nothing's changing no matter what, because it's the basics. You follow the job growth, you follow population growth, and you get into areas that are still affordable, but there's room to grow. And you just ride that tide. So where in 18 months ago, or gosh, it's been a while now, but I guess a year ago, we had an event in May. 
and rates were just starting to go up and people were freaking out saying, oh, the housing market's going to collapse. That's not possible. That's absolutely not possible. Like, Don't listen to the headlines. Being in the media, I know headlines are just meant to scare you. So never trust a headline. Look at the data. The data was saying you have millions and millions and millions of people who are locked into two, three, and 4% interest rates on their homes. Mm -hmm. They have the lowest payment, housing payment in history compared to income. They are in the best shape ever, homeowners. So why on earth would there be a housing crash when they are in the best shape ever? Right. It made no sense. It was a hope maybe, oh, the housing market's going to crash and prices are going to come down, but not a reality. Because then you've got mortgage rates tripling in that time period, effectively pricing out anyone who would want to buy a house. So that forces them to rent, which turns it into a landlord market. Now you've got landlords who can buy stuff with cash. And people forget this. Like, there's so much money out there. Remember this $7 trillion that got created in there? Where'd that money go? Well, that's going into buying these homes that are going to be rentals. And there's just not enough inventory because no one's selling their houses and builders stopped building. So bottom line, I saw that coming. So right when we saw interest rates going up and we saw people freezing and not wanting to buy anything or not being able to buy anything, I started a real estate rental fund and raised cash from investors so that we could go buy these properties with cash. And Mm. we have not had any competition. We are buying in an area north of Dallas, still one of my favorite markets, where it's about an hour north of Dallas, where the chip manufacturing is coming. So you've got billions of dollars being invested in this area, freeway expansions, massive growth, reshoring of these industry of chip manufacturing, and yet nobody buying real estate. Right. So, so we're buying houses for fifty dollars to $100,000, putting in twenty five to 50000 in renovation and renting these homes to software engineers and to really high paid professionals in the tech industry uh, because we're making these homes really nice and they're just an, a mile or two from all this growth. So, and no competition. So, you know, you just, you can't listen to the headlines. You got to listen to the data and then follow that. That's awesome, Kathy. Kathy, if somebody wants to learn more about the rental fund that you have, because it seems like through experience and through life and through doing it by yourself, you've already made all the mistakes you need to make. And now now you're helping others in different ways instead of just yeah. being a turnkey provider where you can match people with the providers. Now you're basically saying is that you're even removing that friction point. I have this fund and of course this is, these funds are heavily regulated and stuff. And then through that fund, they can invest in that fund and that fund can give them the exposure into the market without really having the headache of the tenants' trash and termites and toilets or how many hour teas you can think of. So where can they find that information? Sure. Well, our main website is realwealth.com. And when you're there, you'll have two options. You can go to the turnkey option where our team helps you find property and you finance it and you manage it. Of course, it's really simplified because we have the property managers in place right. and so forth. It's, it's not going to take a lot of time, but sometimes even just applying for a loan is too hard. So you can invest in the fund, which is completely passive. We get the loan for you. We manage it. We're doing the renovations. We're doing everything with my boots on the street property manager that I've worked with for 10 years team, just know the area inside and out. That's why they're getting these deals because wholesalers are bringing them properties because no one else is buying. You know, We're just right. like in the playground by ourselves. It's the perfect playground. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you, you can, Kathy. 
Yeah, to go direct, you can go to growdevelopments.com just if all you want is the fund. But if you go to realwealth.com, that'll take you there too. That'll take you there. I will make sure we include Mm -hmm. that information, Kathy. Kathy, if somebody's starting out today, and I got a call last night from a friend of mine or yesterday afternoon from a friend of mine, I want to buy something, what should I do? And Mm -hmm. I told you before we went on there, just wait for this episode. You'll learn more. (laughs) Um, If somebody wants to get aligned into, is this the right path for them or not? is the best ways to connect with the team and just kind of learn and your team can yeah. help them figure out the ins and the outs. And I know you guys are, you personally are very education first, heart first person. Would that be the right path for them to explore? Oh, absolutely. Realwealth.com. We have 700 free webinars. I made a commitment 20 years ago that I didn't want to be like the other real estate groups that have back of the room sales where you have to spend $20,000 right. for a boot camp or whatever. We just like, we're just going to share this information. The way we make money is we're real estate brokers. So we get a broker to broker fee. So it costs you nothing as the client because it's the broker paying us. So it's just kind of a nice model. Uh, we have 10 to 15 different teams around the country that are all set up to make it easy for you with the insurance in place, the property management in place, the, the renovation, everything's there for you to make it simple. So yeah, realwealth.com is where you can go. You can speak with an investment counselor for free they'll really help you on your way. We do weekly webinars to keep you updated on different markets. It's really fun. Like we'll do a webinar. Well, look what's happening in in this area outside of Tampa. It's right. growing, you know. Um, so if you can get obsessed with real estate because it really is fun, that's what I would do. And, and you can choose, I highly recommend if you can, to buy some properties on your own and don't be afraid of interest rates. We have relationships with builders. We're asking the builder to pay down our rate for us, pay points. So Rich and I just closed on a brand new duplex outside of Jacksonville, one of the fastest growing places in the country. And we got a four and three quarter percent interest rate mm. on that duplex. It cash flows $600 a month. It rented for more than the pro forma said. The appraisal came in about thirty or $40,000 higher. So you can still get deals and you can get really good interest rates when working with the pay down your, your mortgage points. Awesome. Kathy, this has been exciting. Thank you again for doing this show with us. One last question, maybe a few more, but one definitely is, <laughs> if you were to look back at your life um, and you transport yourself to your 20-year-old self, is there one insight that you'll share with that person? Yeah, yeah. I think my 20-year-old self was wide-eyed, bright-eyed, naive. I think a lot of people are good souls and tr- they trust people. So that young girl was too trusting and mm. and that put her in, in situations that were not good. I would also say that's what shaped me to be who I am today. So, you know, it is what it is. But now, even in real estate, I trusted way too many people. I've had deals go bad because I just didn't think anyone could lie to you or cheat you. I just didn't know that was a possibility. I know that's naive. Right. But now, now I know. So now our due diligence, like, sure, trust people, don't trust people, doesn't matter, but make sure that you have done and you know how to do your due diligence. It's kind of like when I went to Costa Rica and I didn't know the exchange rate and I went in, bought some food and walked out. I had no idea what change they gave me or what it was. And I heard them laughing. I look at my family. I'm like, I think we just got ripped off, but we don't even know how. We don't even <laughs> we know don't. how. <laughs> so it's like, had I taken the time to understand the exchange rate and the money, I would have known. So it's just, it's that simple. Like just the more you learn, the better. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, of a crazy story around. We were in Hawaii, me and my wife. I can't remember where we were, but we went to this apartment store. We were looking for coffee. Like, you know, Hawaiian coffee, let's try that. And we went to the store and there was like a 
$50 coffee, a pound of coffee. So we made a mistake of asking the <laughs> shopkeeper. I'm like, so, you know, what's the best coffee here? I'm like, what's going on? She's like, of course, the most expensive one. I'm like, at least you told me that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, you, if you ask me, it's the most expensive one. Kathy, one last question. Where do you feel? I mean, I know you've touched a lot of people's heart. I know you, a lot of people come to you for recommendations, advices. When you reflect back on your interactions with people, where do you feel humanity as a whole has a gap right now? I want to say like communication skills, really, mm. that, which really comes down to knowing yourself and working on yourself and knowing what your goals are and what you want to create and, and having the skills to create that. But, you know, when I talk to my children, and I think for most people, when you say what's really important to you, it's probably your family. It's probably the same for most people. And yet when we really look at how much time we invest in the things that matter most to us, it's very little. How many books have you read on how to raise children? How many books have you read on how to be a great spouse? You know, most people put the things that matter most at the bottom of the list. When I see my children who want to spend vacations with us and they, I've got a daughter in the other room who just doesn't, you know, she wants to be here and hang out with us. It's because we invested in that. And she tells me that she doesn't have a single friend, not one, who wants to spend time with her parents Mm. or friends. She doesn't know anyone who likes their family. And that's really sad to me because I know the parents probably care the most and yet haven't really invested in like, what does it take to be in a good relationship with your kids? It's just not like it comes naturally. It doesn't come naturally. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You have to work. It's like gardening. Flowers, just because you plant a seed doesn't mean a flower is going to come. You have to cater to it. You have to nurture it. Yes. Sometimes you have to prune. Go to code. Rich and I do marriage counseling, whether we need it or not. Most of the time you need it and you don't even know you need it. So it, you don't even just, know you need it. We just do it. That's you know? true. <laughs> That's true. Well, Kathy, thank you again for taking this time. I really enjoyed the conversation. You're one of the mentors I've looked up to a lot of times. So it's kind of like very interesting for me to have someone like you on the show. So thank you again for taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Thank you. My great to other listeners, it is possible that you could defer paying high tax bill by completing a 1031 exchange and invest your real estate capital gains into a qualified replacement property. My friend Ray DeWitt at Bangerter Financials is your single point of contact for 1031 exchanges and tax saving strategies. To learn more, call him at 801-312-9482. That's 801-312-9482 or visit his website at 1031.bangerterfinancial.com forward slash 1031guy. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.